Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So, if you're a maturing Christian, you're either getting ready to take a venture of faith, a step of faith to the unknown, or you're right in the middle of it now and you might be in that area where we're going and saying, where in the world is God in this thing? Or you've just come out of it and go, whoo, I made it. Guess what? You're going to start another one shortly. That's what life is. It's one venture of faith after another. It's been said that there are only two kinds of people, those who are going through trials and those who are about to. In today's message, Pastor Mark reinforces this truth. He tells us that if you're a maturing Christian, you're either about to go through a trial or you're in the thick of one. Pastor Mark refers to these trials as adventures in faith. He says that this is what life is, one adventure of faith after another. Are you going through a trial in your life right now? Do you see it as an adventure of faith? God does know best. Don't rebel against what God is allowing into your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Risky Living, Yes. Jesus was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. You see, the disciples went out. They'd been used to this. They knew the Sea of Galilee. But all of a sudden, this huge storm came up. They obeyed Jesus, and they're in the middle of a storm. Christians have this concept. I don't know where we got it really, but Christians have this concept that if they ever come into a difficult place in their life, if there's a storm or a trouble or something comes up in their life, it's for one reason, it's because they disobeyed God. Well, that is true some of the time. Some of the times we get in hot water, we get into a trial, we get into a corner, we get into a really tough spot because we have disobeyed God. And God sends us storms of correction. Jonah is a perfect example But that is not the case here. Jesus said to his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. They obeyed God. They're in the perfect will of God. And yet, now what? They're in a storm. What kind of storm is it? Here's what you want to write. Some storms, ventures of faith, are in the will of God. And they're storms of maturity. You see... Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples understood, you'll see this as we go through, that he was God and there was nothing too difficult for God. The only way to do that is to put them on a venture of faith that would test their resolve, their faith. It would determine what they believed 
And what kind of maturity was in their life? Look at verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now the fourth hour of the night would have been three to six a.m. So get this picture. How long are the disciples rowing against the storm? Up to nine hours. Now notice, Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, I want you to go back to verse 24 for a second. Maybe two months ago, in the newspaper, a scientist here somewhere in the world, he determined how Jesus did this. Do you remember the story? This scientist figured, he went back 2,000 years and looked at the Doppler reports or whatever, and he determined that it was, it was very cold in Israel, and actually the Sea of Galilee froze over. You remember I had a picture of Jesus on, on ice skates, you remember? And that's how we believe Jesus got there. People do anything to get away from a miracle. Notice, let's look at this verse. I want you to see it just so clearly because this guy who wrote this was funky. Look at, look at verse 24. But when the boat was already considerable distance from shore, from land, it was buffeted by the waves. When's the last time you ice skated and the waves just kept buffeting over you on the water? Hello? Waves don't buffet from ice. Do you get it? This guy's an idiot. (laughs) Nice idiot, but he's an idiot. Jesus didn't skate. Jesus walked on the water. Now, let's talk about this. We know that Jesus saw the disciples. It's up to nine hours. They're, They're afraid for their lives. You see, when we're in the middle of a storm, all of us, Satan begins to play with our minds the battle is always in the mind. Now, what would the disciples have been thinking in their mind? Well, we don't know, but I can guarantee you because I've been there and you've been there. Here's what they're saying. Why did Jesus send us out to die? I thought he was God. He, he doesn't even know that there's a storm coming. And since there is a storm coming, he can see us from land. Why isn't he here to help me? Have you ever said things like that to God? Yes. You see, in the mind is where the battle was. I don't know, but maybe they didn't understand, but I'm sure they'd heard this verse in the Old Testament. Even though they didn't have the scrolls, they had been taught many, many things from the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, in the, in the book of Isaiah 43, 2, it says this. It's a promise from God. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. You see, if they'd just gone back to Scripture, they would have felt, okay, and the battle of their mind could have been won. Here's how you destroy the enemy's lies in your mind. You replace it with the truth of God's Word. That's why we're studying the Word of God right here, right now. Now, the disciples didn't know, but Jesus was on shore, and part of his prayer time during that nine hours, he was praying for his disciples. He could see what was happening in this venture of faith. You see, if you're a Christian today, you're in one of three areas in your life. You're either getting ready to start a venture of faith, you're either in the middle of a venture of faith, or you're just ending a venture of faith. That's it if you're a mature Christian. Now, if you're not a mature Christian, let me tell you where you are. I won't even have to say words. And let me just say to you, 
you're not living, you're existing. You might as well be put in somebody's tank where they can hand feed you. Because there's no joy, there's no fulfillment, there's no excitement, there's no risk in your life. And God did not design you that way. You say, well, that's my personality. Has nothing to do with personality. So if you're a maturing Christian, you're either getting ready to take a venture of faith, a step of faith to the unknown, or you're right in the middle of it now and you might be in that area where we're rowing and saying, where in the world is God in this thing? Or you've just come out of it and go, whoo, I made it. Guess what? You're going to start another one shortly. That's what life is. It's one venture of faith after another. Well, the disciples didn't know it, but on the side of that hill, Jesus was praying for them. They didn't see it, they didn't know it, but Jesus was praying for them. I want to encourage you today. Do you know that wherever you are in those three things, starting a venture, in the middle of a venture, really tough place, or coming out of one, do you know this morning that Jesus is interceding for you? Look at this verse from Romans, you'll see it. It's so clear to us as you take a look at this verse, Romans 8, 34. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and he's also interceding for us. He's interceding for you. Now what's he interceding for? Make it through. Go for it. Take a step of faith. You're gonna be okay. See, he's encouraging you. He's praying for you right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. That gives me great hope this morning because I need him interceding for me. Well, look at verse 26. As Jesus came walking on the water, it says when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in circle the word in, in fear. The disciples were not looking through eyes of faith. They weren't even expecting Jesus. They were looking through eyes of fear. They thought they were going to die. You see, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear destroys faith. And so while the disciples are in this venture, and this is where they're supposed to be growing, instead of looking for Jesus, and there he is, they think he's a ghost. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Every one of us get fearful. You might be in an area this morning, you're right in the middle of a very difficult storm and you're filled with fear. You know what Jesus says to you this morning? Well, it's right here. Take courage, don't be afraid. Well, why should I take courage and why shouldn't I be afraid? Well, See, the disciples, they were used to storms. They were used to handling them. They'd handle them all their life. But now they're in one and they can't get anywhere and they're fearful for their life. So their human wisdom doesn't work. Their experience doesn't work. And all of a sudden, they're helpless. That's exactly where Jesus wanted them. You see, the problem we have is we think we can handle whatever. We'll throw money at it. We'll throw people at it. We'll throw our energy at it. We'll throw our time at it. We'll show our friends. Got a friend? Got a problem? I got a friend. I know how to do this. We throw it at it. Well, if you get to those places where you think you don't need God, oh, he'll put you in a corner 
where you have nothing to throw at it. That's how we grow. You, as a Christian, can't say, I don't need God. You weren't designed to live without God. So the disciples are afraid. Jesus says, take courage. Don't be afraid. Here's the operative. I never really understood it until this week, although I've studied this passage many, many years. He says, it is I. What is it as, what is I? In, in the original language, what does it is I mean? It means this. Literally, I am. Well, those of you that don't have a lot of church background, you say, well, I am. What does I am mean? Anywhere in the Old Testament, when you heard the words, I am, it was God himself speaking. So what was Jesus saying? I'm not just Jesus. I'm God. And God is here right now. Now, does that make any difference? Well, who made the seas? God. So when they understood that word, this is a lesson. You'll see it. You'll see it in a little while. What Jesus is going to say to them, and you're going to hear it numbers of times between now and then. And I'll just give you a little, a little snippet of what you're going to hear. Jesus is saying, I'm God and you're not. He's God and, and we're not. Well, in Exodus, see, when he said, I am, all the disciples absolutely knew what he was talking about. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is who you should say to the Israelites. I am, has sent me to you. I am God. In Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant who I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. There's only one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He was there in front of the disciples. That was the thing that he was trying to show the disciples. So where does the, why did Jesus say take courage? Here's the next thing you want to write. Courage comes from knowing that God is present in our ventures of faith. Wherever you are this morning, as a Christian, wherever you are, God is there. He's all-knowing. He's in control of every circumstance. Jesus sent the disciples on a venture of faith. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew the storm was coming. He allowed the storm to come. He knew how difficult it was. He knew exactly what it was going to be like. He did it because the disciples were like a tea bag. They had to be tested to see how strong their faith was. By the way, how strong is their faith? Not very strong, is it? They think he's a ghost. They've been wondering where he's at. They don't get it, and they're fearful. You see, God knows how to test us. After this experience, their faith would grow. He was training them. He was teaching them. He was preparing them to be men of God. That's what God does through us in ventures of faith. Look at verse 28. Now, Peter shows a lot of faith. Watch this. Lord, if it's you, you didn't get that. Now, think about that. Jesus just, watch it. Jesus says, it's me. And Pete, being a man of faith, says, is it you? <laughs> but there's a little faith there, isn't it? He said, if it is you, notice what he asked. And you know Pete would be the one doing this. Tell me to come to you on the water. Now, if you're Jesus, and you just say it is I, and Pete says, is it you? What would you say? Would you say, Come. I'd go, what's the deal, Pete? Where's your faith? But notice what Jesus says. 
He says, come. Peter got down out of the boat, and he put on his ice skates, and he skated to Jesus. (laughs) No. Pete got down out of the boat, and he walked on water, and he came toward Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You see, as long as Pete kept his eyes on Jesus, it was okay. But the moment, he was doing the impossible, but the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and put him on the circumstances, the strong wind, the waves, he began to sink. Isn't it amazing when we look at this story, we make fun of Pete. Do you understand today that Peter, other than Jesus, is the only person who ever walked on water? And yet we make fun of him. Pete had some faith. God honored that little bit of faith. I've never walked on water. You haven't either. And yet we make fun of Pete. But Pete was, well, he was sticking his neck out. And he's the only one in the whole world since the beginning of time other than Jesus that walked on water. By the way, do you think that would be amazing? Unbelievable. It was supernatural. Couldn't have happened. So when we look at that, let me ask them some questions. I mean, the other guys in the boat, what are they doing? You know what they're doing. They're not moving. And the only one that had his faith really tested was Peter. Let me ask you some questions today. As you look at the story, we're not through, but as you look at it, do you think it would have been safer back on shore or safer in the boat? Would you, as you look at the story, rather have been on shore or in the boat? Well, you know those answers now that you know what happened. But see, you say, well, Pastor Mark, if I know what's going to happen, then I'll take that step of faith. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. See, ventures of faith are ventures of faith. We walk not by sight. We take ventures of faith because God says, step out, do this. Are you obeying God and taking ventures of faith in your life, or are you afraid to trust him with an area of your life? Maybe you're in the middle of that venture of faith right now, and you're doing good, but your eyes, what has caused you to take your eyes off Jesus? Let me ask you something. When you take a venture of faith, could you fail? Anybody here ever failed? Let me see your hand. You failed? That's right, failed. What's the opposite of failing? Never trying. You see, and if you're afraid of failing, by the way, we all fail. So Pete is the only one that goes out and he fails from our viewpoint. But notice, notice what happens. If you're not going to be afraid, if you're going to still take your neck and stick it out, two things are required. Here it is, write it down. Ventures of faith require continued obedience and continuing focus. It's not a one-time thing. When you stick your neck out, When you begin a venture of faith, it will ask, God will ask of you more and more things of obedience. And once you've started, you just have to continue it. You have to keep moving. You have to finish the course. So it's a lifestyle of trusting God. That's where the excitement in life comes. Now, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we'll be focused on what he's called us to do. Pete got his eyes off Jesus and he failed. 
Well, look at 31. How is Jesus going to handle this when Pete is sinking? Look in verse 31. And Jesus said, Pete, I'm going to help you, but you're going to have to go down twice, and on your last time down, I'm going to pull you out. One, two. Okay, Pete, I'll help you out now. Is that what you think God's like? Do you really think God would do that? No. What's the first word in the verse? It says immediately. See, some of us would have gone, okay, I'll teach you a lesson. One, two, five. I'm glad you're not God. No, he says immediately. He said, well, how can he do immediately? He's failed. That's okay. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he says this to Pete. You have little faith. You say, well, I don't like that statement. Well, in the boat, how much faith was there? There was none. I'll take little versus none. You see, Pete's the only one that took a venture of faith. But he says to me, he challenges him. Oh, you have little faith. You did an amazing thing, but you took your eyes off me. Why did you doubt? See, the battle was in the mind. And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Now, how does that work? Here's the principle. Failure is never final. Failure is never final. You see, failure is always a risk. It's always a part of any venture of faith. There will be times that we will fail. When we take ventures of faith, that's always a part of it. But the option... The only other option is not to take risks. And then if you don't take risks, life isn't worth living. Why live fearful? We have people, and I, and I do a lot of traveling, and I hear people say, this, well, I don't want to get on a plane. I'm afraid to get on a plane. I'm going to die on a plane. My goodness, you have more chance of dying on Wickham than you do on a plane. <laughs> is that right? Then you get an armored car, so if a company hits you, nothing wrong with an armored car, it's fine. Don't email me. It's cool. Big armored car driving down the street. I'm all protected, wonderful. You get out in the parking lot and somebody kills you with a shopping cart. (laughs) You can't live like this. Guys, you can't live like this. Take ventures of faith. As we expand in our lives individually and corporately, This is brand new birth. This is excitement. This is for the kingdom of God. Get ready in your life to say, God, use me. Help me be expanded. If I fail, so what? It's not final. God will pick you up and start again. Trials are opportunities. Often we don't think of them in this way, but in today's message, Pastor Mark encouraged us to rethink our trials. He reminded us that we all go through trials, but that we should view them as opportunities or adventures in faith. Trials will teach us to trust in God, to lean upon Him, and will increase our faith in what He can do in our lives. Are you trusting God? Are you on an adventure of faith? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. What is happening to Christianity in our country? Churches all across America are leaving the Word of God in favor of cute stories and inspirational messages designed to stir the emotions but will never change the heart. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge American churches to return to the Word of God. Only God's Word can bring about real change and transformation in people. Why would we trust in anything else? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your Since